Well, really, I feel like it's perfect timing that this week we are wrapping up this series today because exactly five years ago this week, 10 people gathered around a table in a home, and this was actually the first official gathering of what would become New Life Wichita, 10 people, and just equipped with prayer and easel and markers, uh, we began to dream, we began to dream of a church that the unchurched or the de-churched, people that have walked away from church to create a church that individuals like that or with that experience would want to attend and engage, to create an outward-focused church intended on being a catalyst for spiritual and social change makers, and it grew from 10 people around a table to this and those that are joining us online, live and through the week. And the title of this series that we have been in is called Be Rich. And uh, I've just got to tell you, it just brings me so much joy that five years later, we've got new faces and new families and people that are part of this and all the challenges that 2020 threw at us and that we're coming out the other side and that we are living this out. And again, the title of this series is called Be Rich, and it's just straight out of something that the Apostle Paul said in a letter to his protege, Timothy, a younger guy that he was mentoring, and he wrote Timothy, and he said, command those that are rich in this present world. And the moment we read that, most of us feel we can ignore whatever comes next because we think, I'm not rich. And we think of somebody else that has more than we do. We go, now there's somebody, there's somebody that's rich. But living in the United States of America, uh, nearly all of you, nearly all of us are in the top four to five percent of wage earners in the world. But very few few people feel rich because as we talked about the past two weeks, if you spend everything that you make, You're never going to feel rich. It doesn't matter how much you make. But to put that in context, imagine you were to visit a third world country and sit down with people in a village, a village like this one that I was in in Haiti uh, just a few years ago, where the average daily pay is $15 a day, and trying to explain to them how you feel financial pressure. And about three sentences in, you're going to realize, I sound like an idiot. You'd realize that, like, I could feed 20 families. I could feed a whole village with what I make in a month. And again, we just feel foolish. Now, the point of this series is not for anyone to feel guilty or to feel foolish, but simply to feel responsible, especially for those of us that we would say we're Jesus followers because we believe that everything that we have is from God and belongs to God, which means that we're managers. And anyone that manages someone else's money, they never feel guilty. They just feel responsible. They realize they have a stewardship of influence and affluence. So the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, so I want you to command those who are rich in this present world to not be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, which we all know it is, but to put their hope in God. And this is great news. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So command them to do good and be rich. There's our title in good deeds, to be generous, and to be willing to share. And that if you have extra, that there's a purpose for that extra. And the purpose is generosity. And the point of the series has simply been to help all of us to be rich together. That while we use part of what God has provided for us, for us, both now and in the future, as we learn from the Proverbs writer, where he talks about learning from the ant who stores up for the, some for the winter, knowing that there will be a point in time in the future where we may not be able to work as much or work at all and being ready for that, that in the end we remember it's not all for us. 
Because when Jesus showed up and he cast a vision for his kind of generosity, what we don't understand, especially in the Western mindset, is it was unheard of. It was unheard of. It was countercultural. So much so, it's amazing that it made it out of the first century at all because no one, no one practiced this kind of generosity. And whether you're a Christian or agnostic or atheist, whatever it is, what you don't realize is that you have been impacted by the teachings of Jesus in Western culture because no other religion or other religious leader taught this. They just didn't. No people group. Because the world wasn't and still isn't that way everywhere. And there are huge periods of time in, 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 in the life of mankind where it wasn't that way anywhere. So the heartbeat of the New Testament is basically that God's extravagant generosity towards us, it compels us to be extravagantly generous towards other. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote this Be Rich line to Timothy, he says it in a different way into the, to the Philippian believers in the first century. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now, he's not saying that people are more valuable than you. He's saying, I want you to treat people as if they're more valuable than you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking just to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, if you're married or in a significant relationship, these two sentences are a game changer. These two sentences alone are a game changer in a marriage. I mean, it's a game changer in any relationship. Because think about what happens inside of you when somebody invests themselves and express interest in something that is important to you just because it's important to you, not because it's also important to them. What happens on the inside of us? Well, suddenly we feel greater affection towards somebody like that. We feel valued. We feel respected. We, feel, uh, we become more interested in them, and, and we're more open to their influence. And Paul is saying, listen, we have, we have like the greatest message in the world. We have the message that begins and starts with God loves you so much that he's invited you and invited me to refer to him as Heavenly Father, and not, and not the imperfect version of earthly father, but the perfect version of father. And that we might live a life and reflect him and show interest in other people that we would be like our heavenly father and ultimately point people to our heavenly father. And to help us be clear on the standard, Paul says, in all of your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're a Jesus follower, uh, that I want you to think about other people, including people that are very different than you, people that look different from you, think different than you, value things differently than you do, and I want you in every way to treat them and think about them the way that Jesus thought about other people and the way that ultimately Jesus thought about you. Well, how did Jesus think about other people? Well, I mean, you just read the Gospels and you see that he just kept putting them first. How did he think about you? He just kept putting you first in, in all things. And Paul says, that's what I want you to do. Do what Jesus did. Follow what Jesus said. And simply treat other people the way that Jesus does. And in this one statement, the Apostle Paul catapults us out of the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he introduces the platinum rule of Jesus, and that is do to others as Jesus, as Christ has done to you. And suddenly the bar gets raised for all of us, for all of our human interactions. He says, I want this to be your standard of behavior, to be the measure of your compassion and your generosity and your kindness. 
And when Jesus introduced this, again, it was radically different. No religion, no religious leader operated this way. Every other religion was like, there are gods, so we want to do whatever we can to please the gods so that they will bless me. And the gods like incense, and the gods like sacrifice, and they like this and that. But how you treated other people was irrelevant. It didn't even factor in. It was all about how you responded to the gods. So the Apostle Paul continues, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. In other words, Jesus leveraged who he was and what he had for the sake of other people. He never showed up at a restaurant and said, I'm Jesus, corner table with a view. Like, it just never happened, you know? Or, like, they stay out and they're, like, tricked out escalades and, like, disciples go in and, hey, Jesus is here. Like, like none of that ever happened, right? And, and, and think about it. Jesus, who was actually of greater value than, any, than anyone who ever walked the earth, he never leveraged his Jesusness. He never leveraged the Jesus card or the God card to his own advantage. He always went out of his way to use the Jesus card or the God card for the sake of everybody else, people who were nothing like him, who, by the way, liked him. And they had nothing to offer him in return. And so the Apostle Paul says, this is the heart of Christian generosity and compassion. Then jumping ahead, he says, here's what I want you to do with all that. Therefore, Christians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And a lot of people have kind of misinterpreted that verse. That this isn't fear work or work for your salvation. You've already got that. But work it out. Work it out. In other words, allow what's true of you to be seen in you and through you. Allow what's true of you to be seen in and through you. Allow what is true of you. I'm a Jesus follower. Let it be seen in you and through you. Work it out in such a way that people notice, wow, like that's an unusual level of compassion. That's unusual, irrational generosity. I mean, you show unusual patience and kindness and self-control in your life. It's just so unusual. He says, I want you to work it out in fear and trembling, not in fear of what God might do to you if you don't, but out of a sense of awe, out of a sense of, oh my gosh, like in light of what God has done for me, what he's already done for me, I, I want to reflect that. I want to reflect that out to others. And he continues, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And, and what is his good purpose? It's that everyone would look up and recognize there is a God that loves me and a Savior who paid for my sin. And Paul says, belief and words are not enough. There has to be action. The, the only way that you, people are going to really know and be convinced of what you say that you believe is by your behavior, your presence, your compassion, your virtue, your generosity that flows not simply from being a good person, but by reflecting in my behavior, God's behavior towards me. Paul says, if, if you live this way, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So the imagery that he's given is to think of the, the dark night where there's no other lights, and in this vast darkness, how the stars stand out. And in this dark world, that you would stand out like that. Earlier in the chapter, Paul essentially says, look, you live in a culture that's completely selfish. 
You live in a culture where no one, no one could care less about widows and orphans and abandoned babies, a culture that is about pleasing invisible gods that don't exist uh, in order to get God's blessings on their personal life. You live in a culture that is self-absorbed, uh, that just a little bit, so self-absorbed, that just a little bit of compassion, a little no-strings-attached generosity is going to get the attention of your community, and it will cause you to shine like stars in the midst of a dark, dark sky, dark world. And this is exactly what happened in the first century. Because, see, the church of Jesus Christ did not get traction because of their theology. Because our theology is weird. I mean, we believe that a guy died and raised from the dead, okay? We believe a man came back from the dead. I mean, who's going to believe that? Unless it's punctuated and demonstrated by extraordinary, transformative behavior. The traction of the first century church wasn't around their theology or their wealth or their giftedness. It was around their unusual, compelling, irrational compassion and generosity. I mean, the church was the safest place for women in this first century culture. Okay, a Christian marriage was the most inviting place for a woman in this culture. Christians had the greatest work ethic. Christians were the ones who stayed behind during plagues and took care of people who were dying because they didn't fear death. And they didn't fear death because they believed that their heavenly Father had sent His Son to pay for their sin and had risen, and Jesus had risen from the dead to prove it. And they were just one generation away from the eyewitnesses of this fact and a resurrected Savior. And it was the compassion and generosity of first century Christians that gave the church traction. But somewhere along the way, we lost some of that. And it's time to regain it. So that's why the last three weeks have been a big deal. That's why today is such a big deal. If this is our first real, uh, quote, be rich effort, in this, in, in this first be rich effort, we as a community, we're going to focus on two opportunities for us to be generous above and beyond any regular giving to New Life, which we rely on, and we're going to direct it outside of New Life to people outside, and there's two parts to this. Uh, the first part is this. Uh, we, would, we want you to give generously to help us raise $6,000 to fund Project Laundry through the end of 2021. For those of you that don't know what Project Laundry is, uh, every second Thursday of the month, we go into the Spring Clean laundromat on North Woodlawn starting at 5 p.m., and anyone can come in and get up to three loads of laundry done for free and a meal, no strings attached. And through COVID, we weren't able to serve meals, so we provided food cards. But our hope is that this August, to reintroduce serving a full meal to every guest and any friends or family members that come with them. I mean, it's just such a great experience, and we want to reintroduce that. And what you need to know is this does so much more than just clean laundry for people. Uh, Just this last week, so last Thursday was Project Laundry. I was there. A man pulled me aside to just tell me how much what we do has helped he and his mom. Uh, because he and his mom, uh, it's helped them restore and build a new relationship with one another. Because they've gone through a lot together, a lot of challenges. And what happened was, is months ago, they started coming to Project Laundry. So every month, they come, they, do their, they show up there together, they do their laundry together, and then they sit, they eat together, and they have conversations with one another, and they talk like never before. And he told me over the past couple of, the year, couple of years, there's been restoration and healing and growth in their relationship. He said, we helped make that happen. We, we've had moms and grandmothers come to us with tears in their eyes, telling us that it was a choice between buying groceries that week or doing laundry. And because we were there, uh, if it weren't for us, their children and grandchildren wouldn't have clean clothes to wear to school. And for those of us that are parents or have raised kids or you've got grandkids, I mean, imagine not being able to send your kids to school in clean clothes. 
And imagine them going there, and because the clothes are being worn over and over again, they begin to smell, and so it isn't because they're bathing, but they stink, and so they get bullied. And imagine what it would be like to feel so powerless in that. And so we want to be rich and continue to serve our city and the under-resourced that way in Wichita. So specifically, we want to raise $6,000 to fund the rest of 2021. And many of you, you could just adopt a month. For $750, you could write a check or give online today. Some of you, that stimulus money, that was just extra icing on an already very well iced cake in your life. And you know what? You could do two months. You know, maybe you could do half of a month or do a week or do a part. But this is just one of those things that we do that it's about, as Paul says, the interest of others. Because we, we, we don't really get anything in return. This is just about serving our community, and we need your help to keep doing that. The other thing that we want to do involves a very special organization here in Wichita doing, from my perspective, a crucial work to the unseen and the most vulnerable in our city. And to help tee up what I'm going to talk about next, I'm honored for us to have a special guest with us, Jennifer White. Um, but be, before I have her come up first, I just want to have you watch this brief video, and then we're going to hear from Jen. The easiest way to explain ICTSOS is that we kind of sit um, in a liaison position between the community and the professionals. So we help people that have an interest and a heart for this issue connect to it in ways that are safe and organized. So we do that through education, through resources for survivors, and then now through advocacy for survivors as well. We provide prevention education to high schoolers and middle schoolers, including school staff and counselors. We provide resources to the community, most well known as the start bags. We provide trainings and community education to adults and we just recently started providing adult advocacy for survivors. We are really the only organization that I know of that is set up the way we are. We've worked with some other organizations around the country but for sure in Wichita we're the only thing that is set up to kind of pull all of the pieces together. When I first started on here, I was so impressed at how ICTSOS had this relationship with almost every agency in the community that works with vulnerable populations. So from prevention education in the school district, we have very good relationships there to every agency in law enforcement. It's just a really unique nonprofit in the middle of all these wonderful things that are going on in our city. The thing that I love the most about Wichita is the people. People are so generous here. We do still look out for each other and, and try to take care of each other. And to get to be a part of that and, and to be on the leading edge of some of those movements sometimes is it's a huge honor because I do, I love this city. I've worked with vulnerable populations in other cities where it can just feel really alone in doing the work. But when you are here, there is a true community field and that's really incredible. The thing that I'm the most proud of with this organization is the people that have become a part of it, whether that's our staff or our volunteers or the other agencies that we get to work with. I really feel like we have built this family atmosphere um, across the board through everything we do. It's such an awesome nonprofit that allows the community to step in with us. It's not like we hold this this secret to human trafficking and we're the like these, these people doing it. It really allows the community to come be a part of it. Well it is uh, so awesome to have Jen with us uh, this morning. Uh, Jen and I have known one another since ICTSOS actually began 
uh, you were getting it started and I saw it on social media. I got, I got really excited about it. I confirmed that I can't call her friend because I have bought her tacos from time to time. And I've discovered with Jen, if you will buy her tacos, you can be friends for life, okay? Uh, Jen is the founder and executive director of ICTSOS. And it's an organization that we actually partnered with from the very beginning. Uh, and we were actually talking before service. Like one of the things that I, I love about New Life and so it just reaffirms why I'm so glad that we started this church, as at least at one time, half of the staff and interns and volunteers were from New Life. And so I've been so excited. In fact, one um, Haley back in back just got hired on full-time because she just finished her degree. So it's just, uh, that, that's been fun. I'm so glad to already have that as a legacy as a community and, and to be a part of the amazing thing that you're doing. Uh, so I want you to be able to hear from Jen uh, and again, Jen started this thing from the ground up, and yes, I know you've had an amazing team with you, but it started with you and, and building from there. And so just for those that are new and haven't really heard of ICTSOS, uh, you know, you started it 10 years ago. Uh, what was it for you that prompted you to start it, and then how have you seen your vision grow from there? So first of all, I would... I didn't realize when I came this morning that I have on the exact same outfit that I had on in the video. <laughs> now, see, they wouldn't have noticed. I didn't want to tell them that. <laughs> I do have other clothes. <laughs> no, you lead a nonprofit. You need money. <laughs> well, I was going to, really, COVID has been rough. They just don't fit anymore. I own other clothes. I just can't fit into them. Um, Anyways, that was not your question. Um, yeah, so um, I founded the organization in 2011. I know a lot of you guys have heard this story, but um, for those of you that haven't, um, I did not know I was starting a nonprofit. I was not my, I didn't sit down and write a business plan and, you know, here's the thing and we're going to do this. And um, for me, it was very organic. I kind of learned about um, some of the things going on in our city. There was a couple of cases that kind of hit the media around the same time. Um, and I just started reaching out to some of the people involved and just saying, you know, how, how do I help or can I help? Do I need to butt out? <laughs> like, what, what does this look like? Because for whatever reason, I can't shake it off. And so we really just... Um, we started very grassroots. We started kind of meeting the coffee shop, bringing in some of the different professionals um, that I wanted to learn from, and opening that up to the community for other people to come and hear from. Um, you know, two of our detectives were in that video. We had some of our um, sexual assault nurses that would come in, um, just different social workers and, and folks around the community, and um, it just kind of started to snowball. So more and more people kind of started getting involved. We started doing more and more projects, and at some point we are like, okay, we got to have some structure around this. And so in um, 2014, we came, became a, a full-fledged 501c3 nonprofit. Um, the board hired me on full-time in 2015, and then now we have, Haley, I think there's seven of us on staff. Yeah, seven staff and two interns right now. So you're organized one back there. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, if I need the answer to something, I, I ask Kaylee. Yeah. <laughs> She's on it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just have to say, Jen didn't know I was going to say I say this. I sent notes of what I was going to say, but uh, I, I've been blessed in my life, uh, partly because I'm a three on the Enneagram, and some of you know what that is now. But I've been blessed to be in the room with some pretty amazing leaders, like Tony Blair, the Prime Minister of Britain and General Colin Powell, and uh, I just have had these amazing opportunities to be around pretty significant leaders. And I just have to say that Jen, I admire Jen's leadership and her as a leader 
Like, she's at the top of the list. Uh, I'm just totally serious because um, for, because when I was in college, I worked for, with abused adolescents and a lot of girls that were also trafficked and a lot of ended up in group homes. And, and uh, agencies do not work well together, typically. And what she's been able to do to help the agencies actually collaborate in this city, I mean, it's a very unique thing, and you really should know that, and it's an extraordinary thing. So uh, I'm proud to be able to buy you tacos anytime. I appreciate so. that. People underestimate the power of tacos. That's how we've done everything we do. <laughs> yeah, it changed the world. Well, uh, so in the past, uh, we and hundreds of others have participated in Race for Freedom, which is a September uh, 5K run walk. Last year was weird because of COVID, stupid COVID. Uh, and every year, uh, and some of you don't know this, but they, they raise thousands of dollars from that. But every year, you've then taken that money and you've actually not used that for ICTSOS. You've given that to other agencies, and sounds a little irrational. So, like, what what motivated you to do that? Yeah. So we have given away almost a quarter of a million dollars um, with that event over nine years. This will be our tenth year. Um, we're actually reinvesting back in our organization this year for the first time with that event. But. Um, that really started from, I had a volunteer that came to me that was like, I'd really like to put together a 5K. I looked at our team at the time, none of us had ever done that. I was like, sure, why not? Um, so we did. And we were not a 501c3 at that point. So we, we couldn't really fundraise for ourselves. I mean, I guess we could have, but um, I was also on staff at Carpenter Place at the time. And they had some specific needs for a security system. And so we thought, well, we want to do this thing. We don't know if we can do it or how well it's going to go. We'll use them as guinea pigs and, and raise money for them. And it just, I don't know, there was something about this is the way that we can invest in this work across our community. And it all, it all overlaps, right? So listening to Chad talk about Project Laundry, um, one of the things that we do is fresh start bags, and I think we'll talk a little bit about that, but um, I had a social worker come to me one time and say, I had a kid that was absolutely refusing to go to school, kid in foster care, would not go to school, case work workers couldn't get him to go, foster parents couldn't get him to go. Um, she gave him a fresh start bag that had uh, body wash and deodorant in it. He went back to school the next day because he felt confident, right? So the things that feed into trafficking um, don't always have a trafficking label on them. And so with the race, what we've been able to do is kind of identify some of those needs across the country or across the city that, um, that cross over with this issue and be able to reinvest in those things. And, you know, a lot of our partners are grant funded. Their grant funding is very specific. And so with the race, we can give them a cash infusion of here's, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars that we raised this year. You use it for whatever your program needs. And um, if, if you've ever been in the nonprofit world, you know, that's very rare um, to just be given no strings attached money. So we've been able to, to do a lot with that. And um, I've said for years, if we go under for being too generous, that's just how we go out. It hasn't happened yet, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and it's funny, because it, it really affirms even what I was talking about uh, last week, for those of you that were here, about that, um, the idea that we have a limited time over whatever resources we can control and manage, and, but if we steward that wisely towards other people, that then um, when the time comes that we have a need, like those are the people that show up. And I think that's part of the genius in, her, in Jen's leadership, that it's 
been motivating for people like, yeah, that's somebody we want to partner because you took interest outside of it. So that's, that's awesome. Well, as you mentioned, this year the funds will actually go to ICTSOS this year, your 10th anniversary. Uh, and we're going to talk in a minute about a fun over-the-edge event that Jen has organized. But uh, you're working to raise several thousands of dollars. So, like, for people who are listening, how would you say, how is that money, how is the money that you're trying to raise going to make a difference for victims and to make a dent in sex trafficking, intervention, prevention, um, helping victims? Yeah, so this year, you know, like for everybody has been crazy and weird. And, um, you know, as a nonprofit, we didn't really know how that was going to affect us, what that was going to look like. Um, you know, like Chad said, half my staff comes from here. Um, David's wife, Amber, works for me. Haley works for me. Um, Ashlyn was did her practicum with us. So um, there were nights at the beginning of this that I cried myself to sleep. Sorry, good grief. Because I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep my staff. I didn't know if we were going to make it through the year, if, if the organization would survive. And what's been so cool is this year, we've not only survived, we've grown. So we had the opportunity this year to do a, a really extensive um, strategic planning process with the Office for Victims of Crime, which is a federal office that in a normal year we wouldn't have had the capacity to do. Um, we're normally in schools a lot and, and we had the time this year to do it. And um, so there's some, some very specific things that came out of that um, that we're now, <laughs> we have all these big ideas, now I gotta figure out how to pay for them. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that came out of that was we actually now have an adult advocate on staff. Um, she did her practicum with us. She's a licensed master social worker um, who can meet with our adult survivors and walk through um, the recovery process with them. We have a really great relationship with law enforcement and our law enforcement officers um, understand this issue. They're very compassionate, very empathetic to our survivors, but they're not social workers. They're not caseworkers. So while they can say, you know, hey, we don't have to take you to jail let's get you this resource or that resource they can't really walk through that with them that's not their role and so now we've got somebody that can come alongside them and when they make that contact with somebody say you know if you want to leave this life you can and here's the person that can help connect those dots for you so we've been able to add that position um, we've been able to expand some of our positions um, from part to full-time Haley actually just came on full-time with us um, she just finished her first week as a full-time employee. So um, now we're looking at, at how do we continue to grow. So our education program is growing. Um, David's wife, Amber, oversees that. And, um, you know, again, in a normal year, we would have been in schools every day, running around all over the city, and we missed our kids so badly this year. But we were able to still um, facilitate through Zoom and Teams and WebEx, and I have every platform figured out now. But the other thing that we were able to do was we worked with a film company this year that has helped us take all of the curriculum and put it into video format, which is so powerful. Um, I, can, I can sit in front of a classroom and tell a kid, or tell you know, a room full of kids, Here's how this happens. Here's a story of you know, what happened with, with this kid and how they got pulled into that. But when you create that visually in you know, essentially a mini movie that our kids will be able to watch and see that scene play out and then be able to talk through it, um, it'll be interspersed with um, 
interviews with our detectives and nurses and social workers and, and they can kind of say, you know, here's what happened in this scenario, here's why this happened, here's the resources that are available. Um, it's yeah, just really powerful. Just, and, and just to make sure you are all clear, that what, what they're, the work they're in school is they're actually engaging kids to help them, prevent them from becoming victims, to, yeah. to know the things to watch for and educating them. And as I've even listened to some of the stories, like some of the imagery that especially some of the older kids have, like what a prostitute is or a hooker or whatever, and like there's a whole clarification of like, hey, this imagery that you've got in your mind, no, that's not, that's not what it is. And so when I just want you to understand that, that this important work, that's what they're doing. They're actually equipping kids with this. Yeah, it allows us to break down those stereotypes, things around language, things around the visuals that we have about this issue. Um, you know, the misconceptions that somebody's driving around in a white van snatching kids out of the Walmart parking lot. Um, that's just not the reality. And so, yes, we're helping kids understand what this is and know how to keep themselves safe. But the thing that I'm more excited about is we're, we're empowering kids to look out for each other. Um, they go to each other with things before they go to an adult a lot of times. And so um, one of the things that's, that's coming along with this um, film uh, process is we'll actually be able to expand that across the state as well. So we'll still be able to facilitate in person, we'll still go into the schools in Wichita and all that. But now with this film content, I can facilitate a class in Hayes or Garden City. And so, um, then the next piece of that is we have a mobile app that the kids can download to their phone that's got resources, um, red flags, warning signs, how to report, all that good stuff. So now we're looking to expand that mobile app um, to include statewide resources as well. So yeah. all the things. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, again, I'm just like just in awe of like the stuff that Jen and her team, like the, what they've been able to work on and develop and getting these kind of tools, both for adults and for, for kids. It's, it's just been awesome. Uh, so this year, we're going to engage more even than we have in the past with ICTSOS. Uh, one of the things, and just I want to watch for the, the sake of time. Well, one, why don't you go ahead and you explain what a, a fresh start bag is? Yes, I brought one with me. There's one on the table back there if you want to see it, but it's, it's not rocket science. It's a duffel bag with clothes and hygiene items in it. Um, but this started um, with a conversation with an officer that was working with a young lady that she needed some clothes and stuff for, and so she stopped by my office, and she just the officer made the comment that, man, it'd be really nice if we just had this stuff bagged up and ready to go. And so we kind of took that and ran with it. And now we do bags for um, probably 10 or 12 different organizations across town. We do them for the police department, the um, hospitals, um, the children's home, the child advocacy center. And really what it is, like I said, it's, it's a bag with brand new clothing, full-size hygiene items. We do a fast food gift card in all of those. And it's super practical, right? Sometimes our, our victims, um, you know, they're, they're maybe not dressed in a way that they're super comfortable to now sit across the table from a police officer and have a conversation. Um, or they're just not dressed appropriate for the weather or whatever. Um, you know, they have clothes on that they haven't been to Project Laundry and be able to, to wash their, their things. Um, but really what it does is it helps to um, build that trust. It's kind of like what Chad was talking about earlier. It's that no strings attached. It's not you can have this if you cooperate or you can have this if you report. It's you need this resource. We have it. Go get you some clean clothes on. Get a hot shower. Grab that gift card. We'll run through the drive-thru and get you something to eat. And then we'll start to process through whatever's going on. So it really helps to bridge that gap um, with, you know, a lot of our survivors don't 
trust law enforcement or social workers. I mean, they've had bad experiences or they've been told um, by the person that's controlling them, you can't trust those people. If you tell them what's going on, you're gonna get in trouble. Um, so it really just kind of helps to break down those barriers. And we've, I could tell you guys stories all day long of cool things that have come out of that. And then um, the survivor outreach technology, what is that? So we're really excited about this. Um, we have the opportunity to purchase um, a couple of different software programs. One um, would help our advocate with all of the, the case management side of things, keeping everybody's records and history and referrals and all that good stuff. Um, the other one is an outreach software that actually goes into some of the websites where the ads are posted for these things, and it uses a chatbot technology. And so what it does is it will pop up super, you know, um, relaxed messaging, I guess. So it'll pop up and say, you know, hey, I'm Jen, I'm the advocate in the area. If you ever need anything, here's my number. And then the survivor can decide whether or not they want to engage with that and on whatever terms they want to. And if they do engage, then our advocate can actually pick up that conversation live um, and, and take it from there. But what we've heard from other communities that are using this is they have about a 10 times higher um, rate of response with this versus traditional street outreach type of um, outreach because it's safer. Um, both for the advocate and the survivor. Um, it puts the control back in the hands of the survivor who has had every ounce of control taken away from them. And they can either engage then, they can save the number and text it back later when there may be someplace private where nobody's gonna see. We don't actually get any information. We don't even get the phone number they're texting from until they allow us to. So it really lets that person be in charge of how that interaction goes. And we're, we're really excited to be able to, to utilize that technology. Man, if, if nothing else has come out of this weird COVID world, we've really picked up some cool technology things to, to be able to engage with each other. Yeah. So uh, the cost of this, uh, what's left is $8,000 to be able to purchase this. And uh, you know, as, as I think about New Life, I think, how awesome would it be if our community provided that? How awesome would it be if our church, if we could be able to say that New Life did that, uh, that we could make this happen? And again, all they need is, is $8,000. And to help make this fun, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jen and her team have organized an event, and then I'm going to let her go after this, but uh, it's called Over the Edge. So tell them what Over the Edge is. So we're going to throw your pastor off a building. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> so um, we've partnered with an organization called Over the Edge. They do repelling events all over the country. And um, so September 24th and 25th, um, they will come here. They'll, they'll run all of the repelling. Um, but we'll, we'll send people down the side of the Ambassador Hotel, which is 14 stories. Um, David's actually fundraised. He's met his goal. So he's going over the edge. Um, We've got him and one other person that have, that have hit their goal so far. But um, the way it works is, is people sign up. You raise $1,000 through crowdfunding. We'll get you set up with a, a page to share with people and all that good stuff. And if you hit that $1,000 mark, um, then we'll throw you off a building. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, Jen. Oh. So... Uh, here's what we're going to do as a community. We're going to have some fun. 
uh, while raising the money to make an immeasurable difference and just again for trafficking and survivor support and uh, even if you're a guest this is your first time at New Life you can participate in this with us and uh, I am I'm personally I am I'm so I'm forming a New Life over the edge team and here's the deal if you give at least a hundred dollars to ICTSOS then you can submit your name or the name of someone else to go over the edge. <laughs> I am submitting my wife's. Uh, now, some of you would never consider doing this, and you don't care how much money we raise, you're, like, you're not doing it, okay? But uh, you can send some people over, okay? And at the same time, being, uh, making an important difference for something into an important work. And uh, by being a, becoming an official contributor, what that will ultimately do is then generate a link that you can use on social media or email or whatever that then you can reach out to some of your friends and family that they would believe in a work like this and then they can contribute and then we're going to pool those resources. And uh, so that, that is just going to be a great way to reach outside of New Life and get people connected to this. And I just, again, I think how awesome it would be if not only that we were able to provide Jen and her team with their software, go, hey, here's some new life, uh, but if through us networking, we were able to raise more money that they could use extra funds for some of these other things. Again, I just, I just think so awesome. So, and here's the thing that I love, and I'm getting ready to wrap up, but the great thing is uh, that happens that we've learned over the past couple of weeks is that when you do this, if, when you and I engage in this way and are generous, uh, you get credit in heaven. And the church gets credit in the community. And this is a big deal. Because anytime someone hears the word church, all kinds of images and thoughts and feelings come to mind. Do you know what they should think? They should think, man, those are the most compassionate, compassionate generous people in our community. Uh, I may not ever want to go to church, but I'm so glad there are churches in our community. When people hear the word church, they think, you know, I don't think I ever want to be a Christian, but I hope my daughter marries one. I hope my son marries one. I'd have all of them work for me that I could. I wish I worked for a Christian. When I hear the word church, I'm telling you those people make our community better. And the reason that is not what so many people think when they hear the word church is because of our behavior. But we can change that. And Be Rich is part of changing that, to recreate the reputation of the first century church that they had, to get people's attention that ultimately, that they would take interest and ultimately get to know their Father in heaven. So let's be rich. So here's how this is going to work, uh, just to lead the way and to make sure that you know I'm smoking what I'm selling, I'm in this with you, my wife and I talked, and uh, we are giving to both. And I actually, we talked as recently as this morning, I was actually going to share with you an amount because I feel like a sense of accountability and authenticity that I should, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not doing. Um, but when we talked about it, we decided if I share that dollar amount, for some of you, it's going to be really discouraging because you're like, I could never do that. And for others of you, it's going to be way too low and you'd go, did Chad and Sean are stingy? So I'm just telling you, for us, it was an amount that when I said it to Sean, she's like, Really? That's the one you want to shoot for, okay? So whatever it is for you, uh, but that you would choose to uh, give to one or split it up be between both. And again, I only share that about myself and my wife for transparency and accountability 
And again, so that you know as a friend and a pastor, I'm never going to ask anything of you that I myself am not also going to do. And uh, we want to be a part of this awesome opportunity. It just sounds so much fun. So if you're still rocking old school and have checks or cash on you, awesome. We have a giving box on the way out, and you can write a check to New Life, put it in the memo, or put cash, put a memo on there, how you'd like it divided up for one or both. Uh, otherwise, for those of you that are part of New Life, we ha- and we have your contact information, while we were talking, you received both a link in your email inbox and a text message that has a link to our giving site that has a drop-down where you can give to one and go back and give to the other if you want to. Uh, also, the ways are to give are up on, on the wall or in the comments. And just my ask is that before you leave or before you log off, or at least within the next 36 hours, that you just take the time to think about it, pray about it. If you're in a significant relationship with someone or married, have that conversation, and then pull the trigger on generosity towards one or both of these efforts to help us fund Project Laundry for the rest of the year and to help ICT-SOS fund their mission to end sex trafficking and provide support and help to victims. Uh, Jen's going to be in the back. She's got some swag for you. Uh, Hey, didn't you have something people need to... Yeah. I, I mean, they need to know now, right? Or do they need to come back to you? Okay. We need some walk-up music. I'm probably loud enough. Totally coincidence, but today is the 143rd day of the year. Um, I actually have the number 143 tattooed on my arm. Um, I am a huge Mr. Rogers fan, and it was his favorite number, and it means I love you. So um, what the Fred Rogers Center has asked people to do is make today a day of kindness, day of random act of kindness. So um, on your little flyers um, that you should have on your seats, there should be one somewhere in the room that has a one, one that has a four, and one that has a three. So if you have one of those, uh, when we get done, go see Haley, and you can grab either a T-shirt or a hoodie from her. Sweet. Just because. And, and if you don't have one, feel to look at the empty chairs and uh, just don't knock anybody over. All right, so let me pray for us. God, it is humbling and so awesome to be a part of what you would do uh, through us and in us to serve people outside this building and outside this community, that we would demonstrate your love and your generosity that you've demonstrated to us with, with no strings, but just an offer of love and an offer of something greater if they're willing to have that conversation. God, I pray that you would just always continue to help us represent you in our community uh, with every passing month and year to, to grow a reputation for love and generosity towards our community. And Father, I pray for every one of us in this room that you would help us to truly see our resources that you've put in our hands as you would have us see them and that you would guide everyone in their decision of of their next step in how to be rich as you've called us to be rich. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.